Buenasera, mi amici, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I am your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew, and co-hosts, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we are continuing Kit's actor-director triple feature with 1996's Big Night, directed by Campbell Scott and Stanley Tucci. Um, Kit, what made you pick this one? Well, it's actually directed by two actors. It's true. Um, so this that's is kind of a quadruple feature. Right, so that's one bonus. Um, also, Campbell Scott is the son of an actor, George C. Scott, which I didn't know until today. Oh, I didn't know that. Today. Wow. The C stands for Campbell, so... Um, oh, that rules. I didn't, that I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know if you guys watched the credits, but this, uh, the end, he thanks, uh, they thank uh, Steve Buscemi. Um, That's cool. Uh, yeah. Who, who his, his movie Trees Lounge, which I also considered for this triple, uh, came out the same that. year. Um, yeah. It sounded, okay. it sounded really interesting. Um I, it's also, they also thank Robert Altman. So I wonder if he watched huh. the cut or something. Um, Interesting. Did you also see that uh, Oliver Platt is an associate producer? Not yes. a producer, an yeah. associate producer. He worked for the, pro- that's so weird. That's like yeah. almost, that'd be like if, uh, to me, that's like if Tom Cruise was a PA. <laughs> it's very weird. I think, I mean, it really makes me think, I don't know about Campbell Scott, but. Stanley Tucci must be as much as much as when you see his characters on screen, you want to hang out with him. He must just really be like that in real life because the cast of this thing, like yeah. Leo Schreiber plays a doorman. He doesn't yeah. have any lines in it. Like, and he was young at this time, but like, it's a crazy cast. But anyway, so I basically built this triple around this movie because I wanted Andrew to watch it for a really long time because the first time I watched it, I was like, I think it's, Great. I think I watched it because I heard somebody was it could have been the Doughboys. I don't know. But I think I watched it earlier than I started listening to this. But um, someone was just talking about food movies and about how this was a great food movie. And then I saw that it was directed by Tucci. And I was like, OK, I'll watch it um, and written by Tucci and his cousin. Um, but I watched it and I just thought, first of all, that it's like very, very it's very sweet. I find it like a very moving movie. And also, even though it's, I think, really, really good, it feels like a containable, like, first movie, you know? Like, it's kind of, it's small scale, mostly one location. Um, And I was just thinking, like, I think Andrew would really like this. And I also think, like, if you, if, if you made a movie, like, you could make a movie like this, you know? (laughs) Like that this would be like a good this is a great idea for like a first feature um and i think i was also compelled by the fact that stanley tucci has directed more movies i haven't seen any of them he has one about giacometti that came out i think last year that i was thinking about watching um but i find this movie to be so good that i'm surprised he's not I'd never heard he was a director before um, or that or that Campbell Scott was a director for that matter. Like this seems like the beginning of a career to me and it's and it wasn't really. So I think it's 
much kind of like with Charles Lawton pre- in the previous one. I think there is something to talk about. Like, what is like about the actor director and why didn't he go on to do? Why isn't he known as one of our like great directors? Um, what well, you know, I don't know. I don't think most people know that Stanley Tucci ever directed a movie. Yeah, no, I didn't. I mean, until you guys started talking, or I guess you probably started talking about it. Mm-hmm. As soon as I started this movie, I totally understood why you wanted me to watch it because uh you know this takes place in an italian restaurant and i used to bust tables at the olive garden and <laughs> this movie looks a lot like the f- black and white photos on the wall of an olive garden uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah this is like the restaurant that yeah. olive gardens are based on exactly <laughs> so andrew you had not seen it before no correct? i have never before seen this, this. Okay. i have never even heard of this movie i feel like once kit kind of mentioned it um I had I saw something about it in a couple of different places, but it's really yeah, I was really surprised um, by the cast uh, who are all awesome. But the, the cast is is like insanely stacked. I mean, like Kit mentioned, there's yeah. a, like Leif Schreiber's a doorman who has no lines. Mark Anthony is in this movie and I know he's not like a big movie star, but like certainly he was a pop star of mm-hmm. like a notable pop star by this point. And like oh, he's in eight, like uh, what six years later after this he was in uh, Man on Fire which was a big hit so it's mm-hmm. just kind of and I know he doesn't do movies but it's just like and also he's great he also mm-hmm. doesn't have any lines I think he has I one say, does he have a single line one or two he might like mutter okay. things kind of but I yeah. think in a weird way the Mark Anthony character is like the heart of this I yes. think yeah. it's such I a agree. great performance he he's feels really good. so real. And like well, soulful in that role. And I don't even think that's like a huge stretch necessarily because in the final scene, he's one of the three. I mean, like, yeah. you know, he, he's there as much as it, I mean, he's in the foreground more than either of them. Right. Um, but yeah, I kind of thought the same thing. Even before that scene, I remember just being like, like he's that very guy. compelling. <laughs> something. Yeah, there's something <laughs> about that guy. Um, and then obviously but, Isabella Rossellini has like three lines in the movie. Yeah. Um, Minnie Driver, if you look at the poster for the movie, she's on the poster. And I'm like, I didn't realize she was even that. You know, I think of like Goodwill Hunting as kind of her like launch. But yeah, yeah. she's poster worthy. That was only the year before this. Yeah. I wonder, though. So this was 96, but I do wonder maybe it got wider distribution like around the time Goodwill Hunting was hitting. I don't know if that was an award season movie or not. I don't really remember. Goodwill Hunting is like 99. No, it's not. no, it's ninety seven. I think it's ninety seven. I guess I we it was ninety five. No. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. I guess she would have been a big star then. No. Ninety six. No. Ninety seven. It's ninety seven. Damn it. Yeah. Ninety seven. Okay. That's so yeah, it. maybe it like maybe to you know as she was blowing up. I don't. Was it late ninety seven? I don't know. That's I don't yeah. Know that late ninety seven, and then ninety eight okay. would have been the Oscars. So so big night probably would have been done by then. I don't know. I don't, I, I remember seeing her a lot in the nineties, like when I would get like Entertainment Weekly as a tween but uh yeah i still i still to this day i've never seen goodwill hunting so. me should, neither oh okay <laughs> i'd be All happy right. to watch it i've just I never gotten to we could do a gus van zandt because i would like to well, i was just telling lee the other day i was like have you i was asking if he's seen my own private idaho because i was like that that's young. like the biggest mystery of keanu reeves is that he is good in one movie uh <laughs> oh we could and, do not nothing against gus van sant but I'm thinking we could do like a 90s super hunks triple feature and have sure. uh, 
Matt Damon, Keanu, and then whoever, maybe Clooney. We could watch The Peacemaker. I don't know. <laughs> that would be great. Um, yeah, we'd all I love think that. Leonardo DiCaprio is the 90s hunk. Yes, that's true. Oh, we could watch Titanic. That would actually be a lot of fun. I always like to watch Titanic around this time of year. I've only seen but. it once. Yeah, I would. I love I love Goodwill Hunting. It's one of my favorite movies. And um, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I love that huh. movie. I didn't know that either. Um, and I think Another first rounders. feature. We could do this rounders. It's going to be great. My wife decided to start vacuuming, so that's definitely making it in the episode. Uh, <laughs> very cool. Thank you. Well, oh, right outside just, my door. Um, <laughs> we're just chatting right now. Yeah. No, this is what good. This is good audio. This is really good quality audio. Um, but every time, I think when Ben Affleck was at like the height of his like hackiness in terms of like and people like jumping on him as a bad actor and just you know devoid of any creativity uh i would point to this movie because i think he's very good in it and i he co-wrote it so um but i think people too like they try to say like oh well matt damon probably did most of the writing or something like that yeah which is also bs because he's written i think william goldman did most of the writing didn't he he's not even credited uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Wasn't no, the story we like... that it was like, wasn't it about like a spy in the early days or something? Goodwill hunting? I That's what I've heard is that I Matt don't... Damon's character was like an undercover guy or being recruited or something. I've heard a lot of rumors. There's a lot uh, I... out there about the Goodwill hunting script that, that, that it was like <laughs> totally saved by William Goldman. Huh. Okay. Well... But who knows? William Goldman claims that he was given it, he was given it to read, but denies actually having any. Okay. Which I don't know. Maybe he's lying. Mm. I don't think so. I don't trust William Goldman. I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I trust Ben Affleck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, I I trust. Argo's Argo's good. He wrote that. yeah, he wrote Are Gone good. Baby Gone too, and that's great. Yeah. Um, Argo's not good. Argo's good. Was what fine. are you talking about? I, Get out I, of watched here. Ar- I watched Argo. I thought it's. I really didn't like it. Anyways, okay. let's Argo, get this. Argo, fuck yourself. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the show back on the road. Okay. Folks. All right. So, what we do we think of were... this movie? <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, I just can't stop thinking about Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> um,. No, yeah. So I could go with a couple of my early notes. I had not seen this film. I had heard of it. I feel like this pops up a lot on like, uh, like random free streaming things. Like it's always like like on, mm. yes, you know, Pluto TV or uh, like yes. I, I watched it on Canopy through the library. I had trouble it finding it. I had to it's download on Prime. it. It's on Prime. Too. Yeah, it's on Prime. Okay. But yeah, so I see it pop up, but I always avoid it because it looks like a movie that would be boring and for adults. And I'm I, I tend to stick to either like really artsy stuff or like genre fair. And so I think I kind of glaze over this, but I, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. I mean, I did, I liked it. It was very pleasant. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My first note was that the cast was great. Um, and it was just sort of weird. Like we've already talked about, like you would get somebody who was very big, even at the time. And like, they would, you know, just be in it for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Ian Holm, that was yeah. kind of through me. Ian like, Holm how- was so much fun to watch. Every yeah, time he was they, really good. Every time they didn't like, uh, they'd inter- they you know they introduce a new character or have a new scene where, or a scene where you know somebody got to shine. I'd be like, okay, this is my favorite performance in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Um, and when Ian Holm in his first scene, I was like, this is like, this is like no Ian Holm I've ever seen before. Well, okay. Speaking of that, Ian Holm, like I don't have, I don't watch like Lord of the Rings or whatever. So like he's, I mean, I know alien and stuff, but he kind of looks different in everything. Like he has a very like, yeah, mushable face. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I didn't clock that as Ian Holm until I was like reading the cast list. And I was like, Ian Holm's in this? And I would never in a million years <sighs> have guessed that that wasn't a real Italian person. <laughs> like, oh, that yeah. That's like a British, like well, Laurence Olivier award winning, like so stage actor. At, at the end of the movie, though, when... Uh, Stanley Tucci's like kind of confronting him and be like, you know, you never called Louis Prima. You ruined me. Is it me or does Ian Holmes suddenly become much more British? <laughs> like he kind of drops some of the Italian like out of his voice. It seemed like that. Um, I didn't might, notice it. That and so might, I was, that might be true. And I feel okay. like if that's true, that is such an awesome thing to add to his performance. Yeah, because I was like, so this guy's sort of just pretending to be like an Italian. Like, I, I mean, he kind of. I mean, when they go into his restaurant, that's kind of like his whole thing. Yeah, yeah, like, like really playing it up and exactly. That like would be his... really funny if that was intentional. Yeah, that would be that awesome. Cool. Well, especially and it's funny too because, um, like, I thought he was good. I thought Tony Shalhoub was pretty good, and then the Tooch could not hold that accent though. Am I am I crazy? I felt like I it was like Shal- all over the place. I had more trouble with Shalhoub because Tony Shalhoub, I'm just going to guess, is not Italian. But Tucci is pretty fucking Italian. Like he's from like his mom like made the what's it called? I want to say timpani, but that's not what it's called. That uh, timpano. Thing. Timpano. Yeah. His like that's those are his mother's recipes. Like like huh. he's pretty he's pretty Italian. I thought that Shalhoub would sometimes have a, um, what's a what's a line that Shalhoub would say? Um, I'm monk. <laughs> I caught he had a little bit. Of, I'm a monk. Like he had like a little. Like sometimes he would say something that would have like that. You know what I thought was crazy is like this when I watch this movie I think about how like Tony Shalhoub has just been like quietly one of our best actors for sure and like. He's more famous now, but like he's been doing it for such a long time, such a long time. Just like like he's killing it in this fucking movie the same year that he's doing like a guest starring role on the X-Files as like a guy whose shadow is nuclear or something like that. It's like a year or two before Men in Black, I think. Which even that role, I mean, that's like that's memorable, but it's very much like a character act. Like he's not the star. But that's kind of what Tony Shalhoub did for yeah. a long time after men in black i think i mean that's sort of how i think of him like i haven't seen a ton of stuff or i can't think of a ton of stuff that he's been in but i think of him as kind of a character actor but then obviously like he was on monk he was the lead yeah i never watched it but i feel like I that was Andy like where he it. became like more of a way more of a household name he was on yeah. wings right as like yeah yeah he? he was on wings that's right yeah he would kind of just play like an angry guy a lot and then he was a taxi he driver did monk he's Oh, on it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He's on Mrs. Maisel now, and the woman who plays the the uh customer at the beginning who's like who he hates is also on that show as a woman who annoys the hell out of him. (laughs) So I wonder if they were friends or something. Oh, you're right. She's uh uh Kevin Kevin Pollock's Pollock's wife. wife. Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh the uh did you look him up, Andrew, to see if he's Italian? 
He is not Italian. His okay. his dad's uh, from Lebanon. Okay, because I was wondering. I mean, like, does Shaloub sound like that? an Italian name? Yeah, it does. I think no. it kind of does. Shaloub. Hey. It's middle. It's hey, Middle Shalub. Eastern. Sounds. I guess I'm thinking Shalom, Jewish, mm-hmm. Lebanese. I don't know. I don't know any Lebanese names though. So. But anyways, so we're having a hard time sticking to the topic a little bit. I think um, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I, I mean, honestly, yeah, I didn't have a ton to say. I I kind of just kicked back and I I really enjoyed this, uh, especially up through the actual dinner. And then there's kind of the come down for maybe the the final act, like when they head out to the beach. And um, yeah, it's kind of more emotional. And I was like a little less on board with that. But then I really liked the ending, the final the, scene where that he last, kind of whips that up last, some eggs. That last scene where they're just chilling and eating is yeah. that's my favorite part of the whole movie. That's the yes. scene that made me go, okay, Andrew needs to watch this. And it makes me it we've been talking a lot about endings because I think we 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 talked about the ending of um blowout being like a really oh, yeah. great ending. And then we were talking about Billy Elliot on text this week. And I was like, that's probably my favorite ending to any movie ever. But the ending of this movie is like one of the most remarkable things that I think it's, it works so well. And here, here's a crazy background on it that, so the mo- so this is a movie that's secretly about movies and which we can talk about, but, MGM was going to distribute this film, but they dropped it because Tucci and Campbell Scott refused to change the ending. Really? Interesting. So they wanted them to change the ending. Yeah. So just another great move by the studios. <laughs> Did it say what they wanted to change it to? I'm sure it was something more dramatic or with more closure. Like we don't even find out if they're going to lose the restaurant, if they're going to move back to Italy. I mean, that's yeah. just my, my presumption. Probably Tucci getting back together with Mini Driver or something. Um, yeah, but it's such a beautiful, it makes me cry every time. It's such an, emo- an emotional, sweet ending. It almost makes me well, wish like a... that there wasn't that earlier scene where they almost hug and then the photographer comes in and interrupts them. Yes. Yeah. If you really never saw them being not that you, not that it seems like they don't love each other, but like if it was, if the only kind of contact they had was like the hand on the shoulder that they both do. I love just while they're, it's so beautiful. Just like eating with one hand while you have your other hand on your brother. is like <laughs> yeah. so there's, sweet. There's something childlike about it. For yeah. Sure. It's like they're little kids. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I loved, I loved that, uh, that shot. I thought it was really good. It was very like, you know, very fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. And then um, as soon as the camera started moving, like after like three minutes or something like that, I was like, I could have started clapping. I, I was love just like, that is perfect. The first, uh, the first time I watched it, there's a couple of shots in the movie where the angle is very strange because they're trying to really show you the whole kitchen at once. And it, yes. it's, it struck me as like, I don't know if I've seen a shot like this in anything. It reminded me, uh, I was just thinking about like kitchens and other movies. And this was just very, very different mm-hmm. from how you normally see that. Um, yeah. But specifically on shots that were strange, um, that scene where he goes to ask Ian Holm for money and Ian Holm sitting at the his lamp. desk. Mm-hmm. 
what's going on there? I but was like trying to I, understand the text of that, but I, I, I was also I made a note. I was like, what do we think we're being told? But it did kind of work then when he slams it down over Tucci's yes. face. Where yes, I yes. think you're supposed to be sitting there going, what's this about? And then when that so, happens, you're like, oh. <laughs> I took it as it was sort of this guy. So Ian Holm does not respect Stanley Tucci. So he's kind of like, he's not even really looking at him. He's like, it's just, that's a weird thing to do. It's kind of like, a, I feel like that's like a power move that like a business, like a dominated, mm-hmm. uh, domination oriented person would do. Like just to make you feel kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And, uh, and then I thought when he slams it down and then his face is blocked that to me, that was just kind of like a joke. Like it was just kind of a funny thing yeah. for the movie. I didn't, I don't know that it like was like a shift of power or anything. It was just kind of like funny. I also thought it was funny because as soon as that scene started, I was like, <laughs> like the way that they're, you know, fr- the, the way that they're sitting in the shot, like we can see both of them, but you can see that lamps in between them. And I was like, huh, I wonder if they could even like see each other. Cause that lamps right there. <laughs> and then they cut to it. And I was like, well, that's rare. Like a movie doesn't usually like, <laughs> uh, no, you usually play with you stuff. like that. Yeah, it definitely, yeah. it definitely made you go because like Ian Holm in the movie, like, I think you read him as shady just because, you know, Tony Shalhoub doesn't like him, but I don't necessarily know he's going to end up being like the villain that he ends up being. Like there are True. moments also throughout where he's like genuinely very engaging and warm and seems to love them. But that fucking lamp makes you go like, OK, something's fucking up with yeah. this dude <laughs> that they're like blocking his whole face in this scene or the lower half of his face. I mean, I definitely yeah. knew Louis Primo was never going to show up, so I kind of yeah. had to yeah. figure. And then I did think it was a little bit weird that, because the whole reason, yeah, he goes, he his re, uh, Tucci's restaurant's failing, and then he goes and asks uh, Ian Holm, who has a more successful restaurant for money, to like, like a bridge loan. And then um, I did think it was weird that he denied him the loan, and then out of thin air he had like this solution um which was very i don't know it felt it felt the whole scene felt very shady to me it was very good yeah but uh mm-hmm. yeah, well and it, it also this didn't really this is more of something i was thinking about the movie less about like what it might mean for the story but i thought that was like a weird way to try to save a restaurant be like we'll get a picture of a celebrity in there on the wall and mm-hmm. like people will just be showing up left and right but that like, did used like, to be such a thing so much more of a thing than it is okay. now to go into a restaurant i mean i'm not saying that it would save a restaurant but like seeing celebrity pictures on the walls of a restaurant like like right. benny hana was like an entire chain built around that concept for some fucking reason okay like <laughs> um but <laughs> or, i love uh, what was the one what was the one that arnold in them sylvester stallone they had that oh, in hollywood, in hollywood. <laughs> yeah 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 so there you go i i find it it's weird though too because in a weird way like Ian Holm did them a Pascal is his character's name did them a favor like because they do end up having the greatest night of their <laughs> entire yeah, lives you know sure. and the you can see the shift in like in the movie once that is on it like because I feel like Louis Prima is presented in that scene as almost like a kind of like like Tucci doesn't react like holy shit really like it's he's pretty mild about it but yeah. the whole energy of the movie changes to like now they have hope like now everyone yeah. is really excited 
about this. Even the people who don't work at the restaurant, like the way that they, the way they're dressed when they show up, you know, like everyone's kind of like contributing. Everyone's real. Everyone feels like this is going to like be a night that changes their lives. And it might've made me. Yeah. Sorry. That made me think of something. Um, I didn't think about this after, right after I finished the movie, but do you think Isabella Rossellini knew that Louis Prima had not been called, you know how he kind of sees her earlier yeah. that day and they yes. kind of have their affair or whatever. So she knew at that point that Louis Prima wasn't going to come. Do you think? I think so. I think okay. she probably knew that Pascal was full of shit. Yeah. I don't know okay. if she, so she knew like, anything. like maybe he didn't tell her, like I told them Louis Prima was going to come. And I'm right. not going to call him, but she pr- probably knows him well enough to know that he's fucking with them. So he wasn't like going to help them out or anything, yeah? Yeah. Well, he's not only not helping them, but intentionally trying to make them fail because he wants Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. You know what I also love about the ending is that I feel like in a lesser movie, we would see Tony Shalhoub overhear Stanley Tucci defending him and saying, you will never have my brother and... He has something. He's on a different level from you. In order yeah. to be like, in order to justify like why they forgive each other at the end. Yeah. But right. like, I love that he doesn't hear any of that because like, I think about like with my sister or whatever, like Sydney knows that that's how I <laughs> like, like he already knows that, that, that that's how Stanley Tucci thinks of like, and then, even when they're fighting, I think you still like, of course, Stanley Tucci is going to, uh, not sell out his brother yeah. and thinks he's like a genius. I thought that um, Stanley Tucci was incredibly relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that scene where, you know, he tells uh, Pascal, Ian Holmes' character, that he can never have his brother because he's on a whole mm-hmm. other level than him. And he's like, what are you? You know, and, mm-hmm. he, and, the, and he just goes... He goes, I'm a businessman. I'm whatever I need to be. Yes. Yeah. You know, who the, what the fuck are you? Um, and it's right like, after. It's right after. Incredible. It's right after Shalhoub says. I can't compromise my art or I might as well be dead. Like I'm nothing. Right. And they're like, that's like a great. This won a lot of screenplay awards at like festivals and stuff. And I think the screenplay is really good. Like another another little thing about the movie is. The moments of broken English, like it's not like the whole time they're talking, they're speaking in broken English, but it's kind of like when they're talking to a person who is very American, they had like when when Tucci is in the car with the Cadillac guy, Campbell Scott. Yeah. He he has moments where his English is more fucked up than it is in like other points in the movie and in ways that feel both very organic, but like stand out of like, oh, yeah, this guy's like an alien here he's like yeah they're very much not at home here and tony shalhoub has the same thing when he's talking to alice and janney's character and he's really nervous yeah. his like english gets worse kind of <laughs> and i thought that was like a really subtle thing that emphasized how um not out of place exactly but just like that they're really like hanging on by a thread <laughs> to to a livelihood here and they do not have a lot of resources or like and how much Shalhoub is like willing to like let's go back to fucking Italy please like where we're at home and comfortable and another thing that stood out in that regard is I think that the 
the production design is so good because like their restaurant looks like even now when I go to like an Italian restaurant in Chicago, that's not a chain. That is so like what they look like. It's not yeah. really special, but it's shot in a way that makes it very beautiful. Even though if you like pay attention to the details, like nothing's fancy about it. But that one really brief shot in the beginning of the movie of their apartment with their beds next to each other. Like that tell it told me like so much about those characters and how yeah. different they are from uh, from the people around them. And then I mean there's multiple shots because there's a shot of him in like Isabella Rossellini's bed too, which like looks nothing like their teeny tiny little flat where they have to like share a bedroom as two adult men. Um right. I thought that was really great. And it's such a short little shot and we never see their apartment again i don't think it was great yeah i hadn't even thought about that but yeah the production of that and just kind of i always like a good 50s period piece you know the look of it and stuff the cars but uh yeah there was yeah more attention than just trying to recreate the era Mm -hmm. yeah i think they were able to get around a lot budget wise just by keeping the locations so because you don't really spend a lot of time like outside so yeah. I think it's a lot easier to dress the scenes. Um, I'll tell you one thing I did not like about the production design. I thought a lot of the food looked like shit. Really? <laughs> yeah, that timpano thing did not look good. When they cut that open I... and there's just like full-on hard-boiled eggs in there, I was like, this <laughs> That's is not the thing. okay. I have the same feeling where people, ra- like, Mario Batali talks about this movie as like, it actually changed the restaurant industry. In America, like it had such like it is so many people's favorite food movie. Italian oh. people or Italian chefs in particular, like, like after Good Burger or <laughs> yeah. What about what about waiting? <laughs> what about uh, the Steven Spielberg hook? Um, yeah. They, yeah. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah. But I I sort of agree. Like none of the food, like an entire fucking suckling pig, a giant wobbly, like it just. It's not the but kind it, of food that entices me, but you know what it looks like too. I thought it. a lot of it looked good. <laughs> it, it looks like hungry. it looks like food that's been that's been sitting on a set for six hours while well, <laughs> using it over and over again. Yeah, yeah, it really thought, it really grossed me out. I watched this last night after I'd already eaten, and it made me hungrier. So okay, that's what wow. somebody. And it also made me want to drink. I read a review that somebody somebody said um, that they had also like eaten a big meal before watching it for like the fifth time in their lives. And they still, it made their mouth water. Like they wanted yeah. food. What so the bad. hell? I just really like I, Italian food. The risotto looked really good. I really wanted to try that green risotto. It was just, okay. Yeah. The green, when, when he brought out the multicolored stuff, but when like he brings out that first plate of risotto to that lady, who's horrible. Uh, I was like, I don't know. This looks like yeah, a, where is a the seafood. This looks like a plate <laughs> of cotton balls. Like this doesn't look good at all. Yeah. <laughs> And apparently, like, I mean, like, just a lot of the I tried to read a lot of interviews about this and they were all by like food magazines and stuff. Like, that's the only people who talk about it. And like Mario Batali, again, was talking about how. Like uh, Lydia Bastianich was a big figure. She was kind of his mentor, I think. And she tried to, like, bring authenticity and like regionalism to like Italian food. And it was Mm -hmm. actually a huge struggle to get people to like. Like the restaurant that uh, Pascal is running is like the giant portions and all, you know, the Olive Garden of it all is like, yeah. was like dominating. And he, 
to hear him tell it like this movie actually helped like progress great. Like, Italian food in this country and make it less of a like I don't know Americanized Italian food um so and I mean I think I think and as much as I agree with Andrew about the appetizing nature of the food like I think we're in the minority because I do think a lot of people watch this and are like, oh, that looks so good. Let me carve a piece off of that whole fucking pig. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Well, I don't don't even I don't watch like food shows. I don't usually like to watch people Mm -hmm. like lean forward, put the food in their mouth and go, oh, yeah, that's so good. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's weird. Like not a big fan of cooking shows. But yeah. I don't know. It's I, I don't know. Maybe I was just in the mood for uh, some the pasta. C- certainly the whole evening seemed like it made me very sad. Like, cause, you know, we're watching this in like pandemic times and it's like, that right. oh, yeah, so yeah. fun. It did look really fun. There. Yeah. Yeah. And I do eat, that element too. like there is. I do love those 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 types of meals, too. Like we've certainly yeah. had them when we've been traveling or whatever, where it's just like everybody gets their plate. And there's just like this like shared euphoria, like really, yeah. really good food yeah. and like a really good setting with really good people. It's just, uh, yeah, it is very, very sad to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and like when they come when they come back later and it's one of the second or third course or whatever. And like the plates, are, you know, the table's kind of messy and there's like wine stains on the. Um, yeah. On the tablecloth and all that. I love. Yeah, I loved all that. And that's just- all part of it. Yes. It's so, like it's so it, it really does because those are things too. like a wine stain on a table is like something that in ordinary life and even in movies would make me go ugh, like like cringe slightly. But in this they, the movie does a really good job of like creating the right atmosphere that you're like this is like contributing <laughs> to the <sighs> evening. Even like mini driver puking outside. I'm like, that's also <laughs> part of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely nice uh that whole scene is so wonderful just because you know the entire movie is about them struggling and even though Mm -hmm. this is a result of their struggle it's like we get some sort of reprieve from that i i really thought that like i was really stressed out when he didn't invite alice and jamney to the thing because i was like he i was like primo needs like something to hook into Mm because he doesn't give a shit about like the trouble that they're in really and he mm-hmm. doesn't care about Louis Pr- Prima showing up and any of that stuff. So, uh, but yeah, like it seemed like her being there was like a good reason for him to invest himself. Um, yeah. And I love one of my favorite like reaction shots is when they first start serving the food and he comes back into the kitchen when they start yes. eating the soup. And he's the just soup. like, well, how how's it going? So just to, sh- to see him care in that way and not in yeah. like a... You know, not like getting upset with a customer, which is also a thing, but like mm-hmm. uh, to to see him, to see like, you know, like hope be to be hopeful and, you know, stand of bated breath. He wants and... people to like it. He's exactly, not just that's like, important. they're all idiots. And I think, and, yeah. I think there's something, there's something there about like, um, you know, artists who act like they don't give a shit what people think. Um and are pretentious and and and, like i think that yeah exactly i think this is a moment that is like okay this is this is incredibly relatable in terms of of creating creating things and also just his accessibility as a human being like 
he's kind of tough to get along with, you know, in this mm-hmm. movie. He's very stubborn. He's basically a brick wall. And so to have like that moment of like intense vulnerability and not like mm-hmm. silly in a romantic way, like in the flower shop, which is also great, but just like with his art, uh, you know, kind of bearing it all. Um, yeah, that's just a really great moment. I like I I think they ha- the movie has like an interesting twist on that dynamic of both like the uncompromising artist and like the person who's trying to like keep them going and the fact that Tony Shalhoub is the older brother and like that they're named freaking Primo and Secondo like right and it's his like I think it would be a less the movie would be less interesting if if Tucci was the older brother and Shalhoub was the younger and it was like Tucci trying to like rein in his younger brother as opposed to Tucci like idolizes him yeah. Even though he's trying to like get him to be even slightly more reasonable. <laughs> There's something too about um I don't know, wisdom, life experience. I mean, maybe that's mm-hmm. not totally you know, I don't think th- those things necessarily always have to be tied to age. But, you know, he's Shalub is totally comfortable with not being a huge success. Mm-hmm. Um so there's something about the way ambition can sort of, uh, you know, evolve as you age mm-hmm. um, and sort of your expectations from life. I don't know. Yeah. And when I'm, that's kind of what I was like, apparently Tucci made this movie because he kept, it's weird to think about, but like Tucci originally was only cast as villains. Like hmm. now oh. he's like always like the gay best friend, but, <laughs> <laughs> but in this early in his career, he was only cast as villains and he wrote this movie because he wanted to show that he could do other things. Um, and this, this feels so much closer to the kind of roles that Tucci always plays now, I would say, um, with the exception of like the lovely bones or whatever. And I guess transformers kind of, um, and it was a lot for, to him, like he, he has had like cookbooks and stuff. Now he's like obsessed with food now. Um, but at the, but he, he credits that this movie with kind of the origins of that other than like his mother's cooking and stuff like that. Um, but for him, it was really like an analogy for the film industry and trying to balance artistry with needing to make concessions, which I think is like, makes it so like ironic that in that this movie they had to basically get dropped by their distribution deal in order to keep the ending <laughs> the way that it was. It's very feels like it very much parallels. Um, I, I think this parallels Primo's character. I think this, I, I think it's, I think anybody trying to make money in, in art form is, is going to experience mm-hmm. this sort of tug of war. If they give a shit about what they're doing. Mm hmm. Uh, one funny thing, <laughs> when the during the dinner scene, there's a point where uh, Seko is is helping in the kitchen, and he's what looks he looks like he's holding two pans of sautéing grapes. <laughs> Did anybody? Does that like a thing? Does anybody know? I don't about... know. I was thinking like, is it olives? Could it be tiny tomatoes? <laughs> tiny. Okay, I didn't maybe. Even notice. 
It was just very... They were... Yeah, I think they were grapes, but I guess they could have been olives or all of the above. But it was very... <laughs> it's very strange. He got this big smile on his face. Anyway. I just thought that was I funny. missed that. It's one of my notes. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I don't have like a ton... I don't have a ton on this one. I thought it was yeah. really good. The characters are all very well drawn. Um, the the two leads they remind me of. It's interesting to me because they have such a dynamic where it's like, you know, if they were both more towards, you know, like a, a if they had even just a little bit more common ground, they could work perfectly, or they could work mm -hmm. perfectly like this. It's just, it's interesting seeing like certain dynamics work for like I think about I this reminded me of my uncle and my grandfather they've been running a business together for the last like decade and like my grandfather is like the salesman and he's all he loves talking to people on the phone I mean he's retired but like he just he keeps doing this because he likes it and he mm -hmm. likes talking to people and my uncle is more like me where you don't want to talk to people on the phone he just wants <laughs> to sit at his computer and do his work and not be bothered and so he doesn't even like to answer emails. Um, and so like, I just, so they just compliment each other in that way. And, mm -hmm. and, and here, like, I understand, like, this seemed like something um, that could either work really well or not work really well. Like I could easily see this movie um, have kind of like ending with an understanding where, you know, uh, you know, the older brother understands that in order to do the thing that he wants to do, uh, he needs somebody like his younger brother to mm -hmm. like facilitate that for him and vice versa. But it doesn't really seem like, and maybe they do reach that common ground. Maybe that is, maybe that's what the end means. Uh, I don't know. Um, hmm. But yeah, I just thought it was a very good, it was a very good drawing of kind of dueling personalities. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was reminding me of, like, working on music with Lee, which, like, oddly enough, I mean, I think we maybe go, maybe we switch places sometimes, but I kind of identified more with Primo where I'm, like, I'm <laughs> very uh, stubborn about particular things. Like, it's going to, like, this is going to take way more work, and I'm the only one who's ever going to notice it, but I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not willing, I'm just not it's like there's no point of doing in doing it at all if I can't do it to the standard that I care about. And Lee will be trying to, you know, convince me on just like, well, if you just do this, like it'll be way easier and no one will notice the difference, you know, so like um, that. And, you know, that's probably reverse sometimes when like it's Lee's music we're talking about. Um, but yeah, it felt extremely, it's an ex it's a really I mean it's not quite a metaphor because like cooking is an art form. Um I think it's a really really deep like sophisticated movie without being pretentious at all. That makes me like really really like it. It's really <laughs> underrated. I wish it was seen more. Yeah. Yeah, I know I agree. Um I did have a little bit of trouble with the love triangle. Mm -hmm. um, I think I got it. I think Isabella Rossellini is sort of like his true self and like Minnie Driver is like the person he wants to be. But it felt a little... 
broadcast newsy to me in that like <laughs> it's not like a real thing because there's like i just i just i don't think this dude's not gonna fuck mini driver like that i don't i don't buy it so yeah it just felt like like much more of like a representation and the characters feel very very real to me so i think like that feeling more like a like a, a vague like symbol or representation versus yeah. like real people kind of threw me a bit but i think yeah, that's I didn't really true get that i think that they are kind of that those parts of the movies almost feel like i mean i don't know a lot about this kind of film but i f- you know i feel like isabella rossellini is in this for a reason which is like <laughs> her pedigree in film goes back to, I think the kind of movie that this is sort of trying to be in a way. Mm, And like mm -hmm. that scene of mini driver, like emerging from the ocean. I'm like, this is, this has to be like a kind of throwback to Italian mid century, like filmmaking in a way. Um, And that in a lot of ways, like there aren't reasons for a lot of the stuff that happens. Like, the movie is so... It's not slice of life exactly, like, because it does have a very, like, contained, tight little story, but there's an emotional reason for things happening. And it happens kind of like life. But you don't necessarily get a payoff, you know? Like, you don't even get to find out did they lose their restaurant? Are they going back to Italy? Who's Stanley Tucci ending up with? Like all these questions that I feel like American movie audiences would expect to know by the end of a movie, <laughs> like, <laughs> or at least, pe- at least people like me, like would expect to know at the end of the movie. Like we don't get to find out. We just know that <laughs> like they love each other. That's the point of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like the movie leaves you high and dry. Like, there's, no. there's, it's so pl- satisfying. There's, yeah, there's, pl- there's plenty in there. Like, you can either assume that, uh, you know, Primo left, went to Rome, and was happy doing his thing, and then mm-hmm. Stanley. Like, maybe they, maybe the, the big, the big kind of lesson is they learned that they really should be separate from each other, or mm-hmm. maybe they, uh, maybe this led to success you know so i mean there's and either way it's fine you know yeah because probably because they love each other it's fine i think yeah i think there's an understanding that like because on the beach like when tucci says like i sacrifice and sacrifice and you have done nothing and i think that would sound absurd to tony shalhoub one because the reason they have a restaurant at all is because of him yeah but also because he's like i cook for you like like that's what i do and the fact that it's tucci who made the the omelet for him at the end of the like yeah that they're both trying to take care of each other even though i think for a lot of the movie shalhoub seems like not selfish exactly but that like he puts his art higher than his brother they both do that though they both do that yeah they both do that, and they're also both trying to make sure that the other, like, Tony Shalhoub can serve their enterprise, their mutual enterprise best by cooking his fucking ass off and doing what he thinks is best from a food perspective. And 
Tucci can best serve their enterprise by like trying to make sure the fucking business survives. And even those even though those things come up against each other and even though they're both kind of at certain times serving dreams that feel like very opposed in a way, like I think they do. It's really never in doubt to me that like they care about each other. They came here together. They'd love to succeed together if they can you like you know like Tucci doesn't have to be doing a restaurant in order to get what he wants and Shalhoub doesn't have to be you know have his own restaurant in order to get what he wants but they've chosen to do this because like maybe we could succeed together and that would be more satisfying because they love each other <laughs> and they I, can help each other I think I read it more as by the end Stanley Tucci needing his brother more than his brother needed him. Especially I think that's be- probably true. Especially because of that scene where uh Pascal asks him like who are you? Cuz it's true. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he, his 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 marketable skills are much more vague. Like they're not, you yeah. know, he, he can he? Oh, he he can't really. You know, can he run a business? I don't know. That remains to be seen. He hasn't really had a chance. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so I I don't know. It's it's. I think that's um, true. And I mean, that's another. I mean, that goes to maybe him being the younger brother a little bit too. Um, I also think that's what makes him so relatable. It's just yeah. like I totally, I totally know what that feels like. Just like trying to be very very good at something and seeing, which I think any anybody in the world can see this and especially any artist can see this is just like looking around at their peers and being like, why am I not doing that thing? You know? So I, mm-hmm. I totally think that it, you know, where he's come, where he's the person that he is makes a lot of sense to me. But I think it's weird because like Shalhoub throughout the movie is like, he makes it seem like he would be okay kind of working for anybody as long as he was cooking. But if he was to go to work for like his uncle back in Italy, that job opportunity didn't sound like, and you can set the menu and do exactly what you like. He's going to have to compromise so much. The You know, he can only do exactly what he wants because it's his own restaurant. And That's he doesn't true. seem to have a lot. He couldn't, and he definitely couldn't have his own restaurant without Stanley Tucci, <laughs> like without, without Seiko, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe the idea is that, you know, in 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 Italy, they're not they're not fighting the American power. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So maybe he would just be more likely to be cooking shit he likes. Anyway, yeah. well, yeah, I'm out of notes pretty much. The we kind of touched on the the love triangle, which that was the last thing I had is mm-hmm. that I didn't really understand. Like I didn't find anything appealing about Isabella Rossellini's character. Really? Um, She's such a damn babe. Are you being sarcastic? No, she's fucking Isabella Rosalini. What else See, does she need? Yeah, I I'm, thought she was a real a real dog too, bro. Okay, <laughs> I've never found her very attractive. No, I'm just um, I, I Yeah, I, I just personally never like even in Blue Velvet. Isabella Bell, Rosalini attractive. No, I don't. It's, I don't know if it's her teeth or her nose or her <laughs> hair. Well, after the accident, you know, it was hard Good to. Good lord! I mean, she's not like like 
you know, she's, I see how she's a movie star and stuff, but it's like, but it was just like, so her versus mini driver. It was like, well, I know the choice. Really? Cause I me. don't find mini driver attractive physically. I like, I okay. like her. Pre- I think she has charisma. I like, I like her, but I don't really find her attractive, but like Isabella Rossellini, are you fucking kidding me? No, she looks like, time. you know, she looks like Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> So Ingrid Bergman, I do find attractive. But Isabella Rossellini is just like, she's... No, they don't. Do you guys remember the time that the three of us were watching uh, The Elephant Man and Mike just goes, ugh, I hate Isabella Rossellini. The Elephant Man? Is she in that? It's a joke, dude. Oh, okay. Because she's so ugly. Oh, like I thought that that was who the Elephant Man was. I gotcha, I gotcha. Because I'm thinking Lynch, I'm thinking Blue Velvet, Rossellini. It's really funny. It was a really funny joke. You know I don't get jokes. Uh, anyways, no, I think Mini Driver have is you, both. Have uh, you seen Death Death Becomes Her? No. That's she's a great like movie. got no she's got just like necklaces covering her titties the whole time. She's so beautiful yeah. in that. I don't know. I, yeah, I just never really clicked for me. And I'm kind of a horn dog, so you would think that you know, I, I would think. This is surprising. <laughs> I that's would mostly think why that I watch you movies. Would, yeah. That you would <laughs> think that someone who looks exactly like Ingrid Bergman <laughs> is beautiful. See, I, I see the similarity, but I don't. I think Ingrid Bergman is a much more attractive woman than her daughter. <laughs> it's her daughter, if, right? Yes. Okay, but I guess Weird. I just prefer the gilfs to the milfs. So, <laughs> who else is ugly, Mike? Um, that's a good question. Who is ugly? That is. Yeah. Who does who do the I world think is attractive? Yeah, but, but you know better. Like Lee yeah. doesn't think that Anne Hathaway is attractive. He thinks like all of her features are too big okay. to be that it comes off weird. I'm trying to think for me. Yeah, that's I, I mean I think Anne Hathaway is attractive, but I can see it. Lee is certainly entitled to his opinion. Um <laughs> I don't know. I can't really think of uh, oh, you know, and I don't mean this in a mean way. <laughs> I mean, I, okay, I shouldn't say that anybody's ugly because everybody's beautiful in their own way. Mm. But the uh, girl from the what about Witch, Hitler, dude? I Anya Hitler Taylor was, Joy. What's that? Anya yes, Taylor Anya, Joy. Anya Taylor Joy. So she's definitely like looks like an alien. I have a hard time looking at her. Like I have a hard time watching her in a movie, and I think she's picked some interesting roles. Like she's mm-hmm. in. Uh, she I liked the Witch, and she's uh, she's, she's a really good actress. Yeah, she, yeah, she's talented, but I, it's like I don't like to look at her. And I think she, a lot of people think she's really beautiful or something. But, uh, you know, you know, to each his own. I, I, I don't there's like some expression to look at Renee Zellweger. Beholders or something. Yeah, What's I don't that? like to, I don't like to look at Renee Zellweger. Zellweger. Yeah, that, there's I kind of agree. I, at least I don't see how she doesn't look like every other person that exists. Like, I mean, she does have the distinctive like puckered face. But I just mean like it, I, I sometimes think that, too, like when you see like because you see so many more like candid shots of celebrities like walking on a sidewalk or something. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, if I walked by that person on a sidewalk, would I think like that person should be making millions of dollars for their looks, you mm-hmm. know, or would I just be like, oh, nice. Or would I even think about it? These are the things that I think about. So, anyhow, just a glimpse inside the, the, the mind of Mike. Yeah. I don't think Ben Affleck Terrifying. is attractive. Yeah. Mm. Even like young Ben Affleck. I just like. I mean, if we if we do men, I could probably come up with like a long list. He's just very George Clooney. I don't get it. Very typical. I don't get George Clooney either. I don't think he's. Oh, I do. He looks better now than he did when he was 
That's yeah. definitely yeah. true. I that think. is definitely true. I think from like 2000, maybe like eight or nine on when he got like <laughs> real seasoned. But like, it's funny. You watch, you go back and you, you got, watch. You got that nailed down. But you go and you watch like old George Clooney movies. Yeah. He looks weird. Like, like he, he looks weird. weird. Yeah. He's got terrible, ER, a lot of ER bad George Clooney looks really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, we were watching it of uh interview with George Clooney. I don't remember what it was. It might have been the timeline of his career or whatever because we were talking about that this week. But Lee and I were watching it and he was talking about the descendants. And it's weird. Lee found this not not charming. I found it charming. But he talked about how in that movie he has to play a guy. He said, "I don't like to play the guy who's getting a pie in the face the whole movie." Like he was he and and that guy is very much like the dumbest guy in the movie until sort of the end of it. Um and he was talking about how insecure that made him. And I was like, that what a thing to admit, which is basically what he's saying is like, I would prefer to be the coolest guy <laughs> yeah, in any yeah. movie I'm in. <laughs> and he <laughs> and often I mean, is that is his thing. That I mean, yeah, that's what yeah. he's and that's I think Lee thought that that was like kind of gross, but I was like, I think he's just saying like that's what he's comfortable with like if you told gary oldman like you're gonna play like the lovable guy in this movie that would be probably kind of hard for him <laughs> for him yeah <laughs> since he's used to playing a fucking villain or like a weirdo at least um and so for george clooney to be like you're just gonna be like some normal dad in shorts and sandals <laughs> is like strange i heard this really awesome story uh involved when they were shooting um uh oceans 12 and they were all staying at his house on lake Como, and the same it's the same interview that i watched okay so you know the story okay (laughs) yeah well okay so i'll just tell mike then so if you could just plug your ears um there's like there's a house like across the lake or whatever and it's like empty and he was telling they were telling they decided to prank matt damon Don Cheadle and Brad Pitt mm-hmm. uh, by telling them that it was haunted. And so they just like talked about how it was haunted for like, uh, like days or whatever. And then yeah. finally they, at like 2 AM, they like took a boat over there and he bet them $10,000 <laughs> to if they could stay in the house for an entire night. So like they go inside the house and then George Clooney and whoever else, uh, they just like wait in the boat. And he said it was so much fun watching, like, because they just gave him, like, alcohol and candles. So that was a thing. So he just, like, I could just see them going from window to window <laughs> with candles. And then, and then they, they came out scared and said they couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> it was something like he said they got, like, six matches. Yeah. Was, was, was all they got. And then they had to sh- see them pass by every window to show that they actually went through the whole house. Yeah. And they both, like, quit immediately they're like it's not worth good that's such a good prank he did make it he made it sound really fun like i'm like gosh if we had a house in lake como that's probably the kind of shit we'd be doing (laughs) but just like imagine you're hanging so you're hanging out with your buds don Cheadle, Mm -hmm. matt damon and fucking brad pitt (laughs) and you decide and you decide to go into a haunted house it's awesome I think that they should do an ocean spinoff that is like a like a house. They already one. did. It stunk. Yeah. No, really I mean like bad. a spooky one. Do like, you know, they break into a haunted house to steal the gold or something. Like Ocean's 13 Mike, Ghosts. 
You should yeah. cut that from. <laughs> you should cut that. That's really funny, Andrew. You Thank should. You. <laughs> Tony Shaloub. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you should cut that from this episode, Mike, and just write that movie. A heist, but it turns out to be like a haunted heist. You could call it haunted heist. Yeah, haunted heist. No, there's got to be. Surely, there's got to be I a haunted heist movie. I don't think. I've never heard of that idea. Well, you know what? Deep Rising is a bit of a horror heist movie. Nah, it's got to be ghosts. It's got to be. Yeah, ghosts. it's got to be ghosts. No, see, I, and, I, I, I bet if we looked, I bet we could find. And something. people can't know until oh, they're ghost in ship. The, until they're in the theater. Yeah. Like we'll go. Like so, they have to think they're going to see a heist movie. Oh, but it turns out to be haunted. But it turns out to be haunted. That would be so. Cool. This is that's actually pretty cool because that's like. That's taking the, you know, uh, Bruce Willis realizing he's dead at the end of Sixth Sense to like the next level. Because Mm -hmm. in this movie, the audience doesn't know that there are even ghosts in the movie. Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if like, if the movie should be, if from that point on, it should be like a haunted house movie or if it still has to be a really good heist. (laughs) It's gotta be both. I think it's gotta be be both. both. Okay. Yeah. But it would be hard to like, you know, trick the ghosts or something. I don't know. It was also interesting yeah. thinking about Clooney in that same interview was talking about, he's actually been in like quite a few, he's played criminals a lot and been in kind of quite a few heist movies and how in like out of sight, the heist is not good, but it, oh, I love that. it but it doesn't matter. Like it's, yeah. it's about the characters, but then in oceans, in the oceans movie, like the heist, should be is better when it's better when the heist is like a very good heist like the first one has the best heist i got one what speaking of Clooney, from dust till dawn is sort of a heist movie it's like a bank robbery movie and it's a horror movie but it's not got to be ghosts it's not ghosts i'm just saying you know but like yeah they're trying to they're trying to break into like a mansion or something like a rich guy's mansion or something like that so it's like Scooby-Doo with like Rafifi. Maybe it's even like a like a like a movie or something like it's stop motion. Although they've done a lot of haunted movies. I don't know. But yeah, that would be really that would be really fun. We should call it Rafifi-Doo. Yes, that's (laughs) (laughs) that's how they should. I feel like that's how they should be doing these reboots. It's like, don't tell me. I know the whole point is that I know that it's like Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters uh, reloaded or whatever, but. If I didn't know going in, if I thought I was going to see what if what if Ocean's 8 was like, hey, this is a spin-off, spin-off of the Ocean's movies. But then what it ends up being is a spin-off of Ghostbusters. That's what, that would be cool. That's what M. Night Shyamalan did with Split. And it was the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah, that's true. Even, that was like the best movie of see, that year. I think that's the problem is that you would have to have control of your marketing. And for most big studio yeah. movies, it's really no hard director, to do now. Yeah, nobody yeah. would have control of their marketing. So you'd have to like pitch it with that you know marketing thing yeah anyhow big night <laughs> um <laughs> let's uh i have no more notes do me we have either. any little stragglers not really i mean i've no little stragglers? let me let me just take a look i was just let thinking me... about like what are the best movie endings mm, the best I said, movie endings blow out mm. billy elliott and i really like this ending too i like the spongebob squarepants movie ending a lot <laughs> What is the, what is that? Is that where, That's where they go to the he real sings world? The goofy goober song. Oh, it's okay. like the rock. It's like he comes from the the ceiling. It's just really good. It's just like super happy ending. I'm trying to think what else good endings. No, I have none. 
Nothing? All right. Well, then it's time for the Cruise Minute. Oh, baby. I have one. Okay. My Cruise Minute, possibly controversial, is that I feel like this movie is a better version of Jerry Maguire. (laughs) Explain. Hmm. I can see it. I think because the way that the characters are drawn, we're like, even Pascal, who's like the villain, has very human likable qualities. Like, there's a lot of different kinds of characters in the movie, but you feel that they're all good people. Like, they're all trying. They're all Mm -hmm. sweet. Like, they're not the same at all, but they're all good in their own way. Um, And they're all lovable in their own way. And they're all trying their best in their own way, even though they're opposed to each other in certain in certain scenes. And I feel like Jerry Maguire is kind of trying to do the same thing where there's all these different kind of characters other than Jay Moore who like butt heads and have like different goals. But everyone's sort of trying their best, except that movie is super fucking annoying and confusing and cliched about human behavior. And this one is like very finely observed and and warm and nice. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That <laughs> oh, was a good cruise minute. Good cruise minute. I don't <laughs> have um, anything this month. Uh, I got two week. things. Uh, one, our guys over there, he was shooting uh, Mission Impossible 7 over Thanksgiving, which makes me sad because he has no family to go spend Thanksgiving with. He doesn't love his kid. It's okay. Because he doesn't love his family. Uh, so that's weird. <laughs> But you know what? If it gets us a Mission Impossible movie, you know, two days sooner, that's great. Um, now, that's one that they need. I need movie theaters to survive long enough for me to see that movie. I know. That, I that know. one they can't give to On Demand. I'm fine with Wonder Woman does, or whatever. But Does anybody else on that note feel like it's really weird how blasé everybody is about theaters dying? Like... Nobody seems like, at least in my personal life, nobody seems to care. I was just talking to Lee about that, like literally right before this episode started. And I don't believe that they're going to die. I don't think they're going to die either. I think they're going to tag along. Maybe that's why people don't seem worried. It came up because I said, like, I think retail is dead. But yeah. And Lee was like, well, what about he then he brought up movie theaters. And I'm like, see, I don't think movie theaters are dead because I think they provide an experience that is genuinely distinct from watching a movie at home, even though they're going to probably like be far, far fewer, maybe. Yeah. yeah. People, I feel people like have been always... saying like, Oh, TVs yeah. are so big now and you, you got your surround sound. So it's just like it's the movie theater the and it's, it's never yeah. been true. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it continues I feel like this, not to be, this has like, I guess this is not an original observation. It's like, it's sped up everything that was going wrong for the theater right. industry already. Yes. yes. And so like, I, I always thought the recovery would be like, smaller movies smaller theaters you know less um i mean because it's like the 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 problem they're gonna have to start making smaller superhero movies because you can't spend 500 million dollars on something that you put on disney plus like you don't make Mm -hmm. money from that so like they're gonna have to scale that down but that was the whole reason anybody was even going to the theater anymore so they just Mm -hmm. totally stopped making like mid-budget to low-budget movies and distributing them those were already all going to video on demand so it's like if this really puts like the pinch on theaters, maybe they'll have to turn to like those mid-level movies again and like maybe, lower budget movies. Here's my prediction, okay? Horror movies and porn theaters become a thing again. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. That is that's all I would need. I would be so happy. Like <laughs> horror, kind of, ho- horror films are going to save the movie industry. <laughs> yeah, kind of, it wouldn't be the first time. Another prediction I've read a couple of times um, 
is that movie theaters will become uh like you'll have certain you'll have some theaters that only play like the big budget stuff and which is kind of true now yeah but mm-hmm. it would be more so like there would be more theaters playing smaller movies and then or the other thing that could happen is that the big blockbusters they might charge more of a premium for so you'd pay you know yeah. 15 bucks to see whatever avengers yeah. 9 and then you'd pay like six bucks to see big night or something yeah that would be great which i yeah i agree because i think yeah. they would make i think movies like that would make more money then i kind of wonder if there could be like a di- i mean this is probably not likely to happen but like i would love for there to be a different almost like a different definition of an event movie than avengers which would be like like i just said mission impossible you have to see that in a theater because it's filmed in IMAX like that. You you know, like, oh, I agree that genuinely feels different. And then like even, you know, I don't like the man, but Nolan movies, that yeah. kind of theatrical experience. Whereas honestly, it's seeing Wonder Woman in a theater and seeing it on your TV at home are definitely different things. But I don't think it's as different as watching Mission Impossible at home versus watching it in a theater or even or seeing yeah. a scary movie in a theater versus seeing it at home. Yeah, um, I, I just watched uh, Tenet on my TV this week and it was like it was it was like one of, it was very, it's depressing. I mean, it was like it was fun to watch, but it was like I'm watching this and it's like. He has maybe his greatest visual idea, like the coolest idea that maybe he will ever have is this like entropy thing. And I watched it on a fucking TV Mm -hmm. and it's just like that is that is so sad to me. Yeah, right. I I hope they re-release that one. I hope so, too. Avengers was like fun to see in theaters because like the audience was so into it. But. Like, I play video games on my tiny little laptop, and in a way, <laughs> watch, visually speaking, watching Avengers on my laptop was the same as watching it in theaters. I, but the, yeah. the, fun, the, the fun of seeing that in theaters was seeing it with, like, a crowd who was really excited about it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing. That, those were both also uh, IMAX. So, I mean, like, the same size resolution. So it's kind of, like seeing it on a screen that big is uh i was kind of hoping different than seeing it on a, a tv what well sorry yeah I, I think maybe it maybe it's too early for people for this now but like all summer like our theaters have been showing like old movies and i was kind yeah. of hoping that like some of the multiplexes would kind of become revival houses and like there would be a lot more you know screening like we saw twister we saw gremlins we saw yeah uh, that's awesome you know stuff and we did see we it's- saw tenant um, is Twister bigger but... in Kansas than it is in the rest of the the world? Because <laughs> I swear to God, that's such a like that's fun and perfect for your for you, but yeah. like that was such a weird choice for a revival house to show. You know, I thought, and feel I th- like people are going to show up. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing, but I mean, uh, unfortunately, nobody showed up. We were the only two people in that theater, <laughs> so you uh, saw you got a private screening of Twister. We did, and Big Lebowski, and I think wow. there were there were a handful of people there for Gremlins. Uh, I mean, even Tenet, though, there was like a dozen people in this like mm-hmm. massive auditorium, and like we're, you were talking about like the communal viewing experience. Like, I've never seen Duck Soup uh, in a theater, but like I watched it at home. I I'd seen it a couple times, but I watched it again the other night, 
And like, I laugh out loud, like, you know, at a couple mm-hmm. points in that movie, but like, I've heard like Joe Dante talks about like, he would go see that, like, you know, in the theaters when he was younger. And I mean, not in its original run, but just, you know, showing old movies from the thirties, like old comedies like that. He says those movies were specifically designed with like laugh breaks. So mm-hmm. that like when the audience is just roaring with laughter that like, you know, you know, Groucho pauses for that extra second or something. Um, and it's like, I would love for people to start showing like Twister gremlins. These things are all fun, but like just, yeah, like I want to see like, I don't know some of the, like the big classics, but I mean, if nobody's going to Twister, nobody's going to, uh, you know, duck soup probably well i would but. love for us to start treating like all like what if all about eve got the rocky horror treatment of just like an yeah. audience full of homosexuals like <laughs> saying every line of the movie like along with it like that would yeah. that would be really fun see i don't think that people so we're we are all approaching mid 30s mm-hmm. like I really don't think that people mid twenties and younger care about movies at all. Like I think I, they, they see superhero movies, but I don't think that I think that the general awareness of like older movies has fallen below even what it was when we were 25. That's so or funny because I was just, that's what Lee and I were talking about is I said, like, I don't think the younger generations, like they don't give a shit about shopping in a store. They've never shopped in a store. They've only shopped online. Yeah. But I do think that they might know the difference between watching a movie at home and what, but then you're, I don't know. I mean, you know what? My Quibi didn't succeed. So I don't <laughs> think people are as into watching shit on their phones as we might think they, <laughs> that may be true. Are. That's true. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to see where it goes. Yeah. I think there's been like a real accessibility problem. And then that there's so much accessibility that I think it's just very hard for people to uh, care about things. Yeah, but I do. I do. I mean, I agree with Mike to the extent that like sometimes I'm like, wow. And I and I don't mean this is going to sound weird, but like when people people like. (sighs) I don't mean people our age, but like younger people, if they like the live action Aladdin, if they like Black Panther, um, then I'm like, okay, maybe they haven't. Maybe they don't know like what yeah. is like or like all of these Netflix mo- Netflix holiday movies, which yeah. I like to watch. Don't get me wrong. It's fun to, to it's fun to watch them and talk about them. Um, but they're not movies like they're sub Hallmark level Yeah, <laughs> to me. And it just feels like that's like a baseline. Like this is what a movie is now is like the lighting's terrible. It's cheap as fuck. There's yeah two locations Um, that's what it kind of feels like i don't i i understand your point i think you are not entirely wrong you know all the bounce lighting and all that uh but uh i don't think that uh the netflix christmas movies is like a no no okay but not even the christmas movies but like like um the move the 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 rom-coms that have come out on there like um the the one with what was it called always be my maybe which i'm like there was totally like redeemable stuff about that movie but in terms of it if you compare that to like a you've got mail not on a story level or an acting level or anything but just on a like production quality it's it, it it's such a lower tier of 
just the mo- the money is so I not think, there. I think what you're I think part of what you're seeing is everything being treated as if it's on par with the thing next to it because they're also putting out the Irishman, Mudbound, Roma. That's true. Tons of they're putting out tons of great stuff. Uh, but it's also, you know, when you're going through your recommendations or whatever, the stuff that's mm-hmm. being pushed at you is the stuff that's popular. So that doesn't necessarily mean what's popular is good. No, um, but what's popular, I guess I, that's totally true. But I think that sometimes it's shocking to me when, like, the most popular movie on Netflix looks like absolute shit. Because, like, yeah, The Irishman is on Netflix, but it's not as popular as, like, Hubie Halloween, and Hubie Halloween <laughs> looks fucking t- <laughs> terrible. But I guess, you know, that's it's not as if Taxi Driver was as popular as, I don't know. See, yeah. What's another movie from the 70s? It's, is not, <laughs> it's not so much a matter of what's popular and things like that. I think that what happened is that with the budget and production quality for television increasing so much as we, we never heard the end of like the golden age of television with like Mad Men and the wire and stuff with that happening at the same time that film went to digital. And we we've talked about before, like they can capture the look now, like they can get the look of film because they have the, the cameras that are capable. But like, we've also talked about how the switch to digital has, has affected the production and actually changes the product of the films that they make oftentimes. So like I think as but TV those are and choices, those yeah, are ch- those are choices. That is not anything but to do with the technology. That is because there are there are plenty of directors who are using the the technology to create movies that are just as cin- cinematic as anything that's come before it. It's there are, the way there people are, are interacting with the technology. I would say there's a handful of people that are still doing it, and I, I think that the majority of the industry has kind of moved into TV and film are about on the same. Wait, which for better or for worse, but I kind of think that that's what Kit's getting at is that why would a kid who's 15 right now, why would they distinguish between, yeah. you know, a, a snake eye or, you know, a De Palma film? Right. And uh, I mean, maybe it's obvious. Bima, how, how, like a, Bima, maybe. A, a Nolan movie is looks like a completely different animal from like a lot of Netflix movies that more people are watching than are watching Tenet like that is what is weird to me and I I agree it's weird because like on a regular basis on television you see higher quality shit like Fargo looks (laughs) better (laughs) than most movies yeah I feel like that are that are popular right now it's just strange it's like I don't want people to lose the taste for a truly like decadent cinematic like <laughs> film going experience uh yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more i mean it it depresses me that uh you know i can people are more interested in watching you know six seasons of uh the great british bake-off in a sitting than including me you know <laughs> including you i'm just saying like there. <laughs> there's it's so low stakes and it's all right there it's like it's the ease of it is too much mm-hmm. you know yeah. I, yeah. We, I watched I, I rewatched the Irishman this week I've been wanting uh, my wife Denise she loves she likes mob movies and like I've been wanting to watch that with her since I, I went and saw it in the theater by myself it's like oh I want to watch this with her it's been in front of us for mm-hmm. a year but it's like oh it's a four hour movie I don't want to watch it I went out and bought it and watched it the day it came in the mail 
because yeah. it's like suddenly if you change the stakes, I think it if you put a little bit of effort into wanting to do something, then the mm-hmm. reward. I mean, it's like reading. Uh, it's like reading a a, a a difficult to to comprehend book versus the Da Vinci Code or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that f- there's so much fluff. That's so. It's so much easy. It's so much easier to roll through the Taco Bell doc, uh, t- uh, drive-through than build yeah. a taco from scratch. So uh, that's that's a big part of it for me. And yeah, I'm, yeah like I'm I don't like going too. to the movies. I don't. Sure. I don't want to go to the movies for almost anything. Like especially, I've like narrowed it more and more and more to like I will see Mission Impossible, Top Gun, like that. I'll see in the theaters. I'll go see like cats in the like there has to be a a real reason for me to like leave my house and prefer to see something in the theaters and but even i as someone who it's just it's too anxiety inducing for me to be worth it a lot of the time Hmm. although i think back to when like when i was in the same state as andrew like um, movies between like 2005 and 2010, I saw so many fucking movies <laughs> that like I would never in a million years go see in theaters now. Like 1408, like I was like, we saw what was the other one? Oh yeah, like View from the Top. I saw in theater. Like all of these movies I saw in theaters that I would never leave my house to go see now. But even so, like when there's a reason. See, I think if I, I think go, if I there's a reason to, you, to go. I get you to go see more movies. Oh, 100%. If you lived here now, <laughs> I'd, I, I'd see everything. I'd see yeah. everything you asked me to go to unless it was, like, too scary. Um, yeah. But I, I, I still appreciate, like, what a theater can sure. provide. And that's kind of yeah. why I think that's kind of why I'm doubtful that it will go away because it's like, if someone like me who mostly hates going to the theater still am like, well, they have a valid reason for existing though. (laughs) Then I feel like, I just feel like they have an, they have an undeniable, they provide an undeniable experience. Whereas like shopping at a department store feels like that. I mean, I loved it, but it's not, I mean, I can do it from my computer i can't watch mission impossible and imax from my computer i guess i i'm so into malls that i feel like i I could see movie theaters going the way of malls where they're just like fewer and fewer or like video stores like i love video stores i see what i see is and i don't think this is a bad thing but i see like the big mega chains like amc uh and cinemark like having to either change their their model or and actually give a shit about movies because mm-hmm. i think the people who are going to save movie theaters are people who give a sh- people who give a shit about yeah. movies and teenagers who have nowhere to fuck i think mm-hmm. those are the people who are going to save movie theaters uh i think fam maybe families aren't really into that i don't think mom and dad are taking their kids out yeah. into crowded rooms after you know r- right after they're well, but and it's so much cheaper i mean my family wasn't rich. It was expensive for us to go to the movies even yeah. back in the day because you got to like too. buy your snacks and everything. Um, and if I have the option of like putting it on my giant TV at home for less money, like that's definitely what we would have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My so dream, I, under- I understand. If we ever win the lottery, my dream is to just buy a multiplex and just constant like revival house type stuff. Just whatever I want to play, I'm playing it. 
it's so it's so interesting though because um you know i mentioned that i saw i watched tenant at home and like usually you know we watch movies at home you know it's like there's a lamp on yeah you know someone might pick up their phone periodically uh but like when we watched that i was like we're turning off all the lights i'm gonna make a bucket of popcorn Mm -hmm. please don't pick up your phone yeah, <laughs> that can, you know, and but even then, like I still got up to go to the bathroom three times because like I'll just pause yeah. it. No big deal. You know, even yeah. that's a different experience. But it's just, you know, like, a true cinephile would have wet his pants. Andrew. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. And, and and would have kept drinking the yeah. 64 ounce Coke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is what it's all about. That's right. <laughs> all right. So that concludes our cruise minute. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you I for do joining have, us. I do have I do actually have one quick thing oh, okay. um that I came across. Somebody made a uh like a uh stop motion doll video of all of t- using a Tom Cruise action figure of all of his Mission Impossible stunts. Oh, I got to look that up. Yeah, there's an AV. Yeah, send it's that on... to me. Okay. Oh, cool. Um okay. Aww. So, thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Please join us next week for, you know, either 2015's By the Sea or we could do Trees Lounge if Kit wants to change her mind and go easy on us. Um, I'm excited. I want to do. A, I want to do an actress director though. Ugh. I All thought right. about doing um, Hitchhiker or what's is that the movie? Yeah, Ida Lupino. Yeah, That's I, a good I movie. thought about that. You could do The Bigamist. That's another one of hers. Yeah. There's options. You, you're, anyway, you're, you're a friggin' bigamist. Mike, you <laughs> might. <laughs> you know, I thought I wasn't gonna like by the sea, and then I was like, I kinda, I'm okay. I'm yeah, but yeah, we did a, we did a whole series. We did a whole series of movies that you like that the rest of the world has projected. That's so. that's a person though. Okay, there's a person. Current Angelina Jolie, I do not find attractive. She looks yeah. very scary. She looks very scary in by the sea. I've always thought that about Angelina Jolie. Like even back in the Tomb Raider days, I was like, I don't get it. She she looks weird. I think like young, like not skeletal Angelina Jolie is gorgeous. Yeah. But she looks like a bobblehead these days. See, and if if Andrew cuts out the bit about us talking about ugly people earlier, then this isn't going to make any sense. But well, I won't. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Please join us next week for 2015's By the Sea, possibly something else. (laughs) Um, slow motion triple feature was recorded in a rustic villa in southern Italy overlooking a field of olives special thanks to our producer Lee the man in the booth who makes us sound great if you'd like to contact us please do so at slow motion triple uh, slow motion triple at gmail.com Yeah.